Welcome to the Association 4.0 podcast, your association's no-fluff playbook to navigating and thriving in Industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. Each week, we bring expert insights to help you and your association stay ahead of the curve. Hello, my name is Sherry Budziak, and I'm the host of the Association 4.0 podcast. I'm also a co-founder of .org Community and founder and CEO of .org Source, a consultancy um, to associations. Today, my guest is Patrick Dorsey. Patrick is the Senior Vice President at Impexium. Hi, Patrick. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Sherry. Thank you. I'm I'm excited to be here. Great. Um, so, Patrick, tell our audience about yourself and um, kind of your your current um, professional responsibilities and and your role at Impexium. Absolutely. As you mentioned, I'm the uh, Senior Vice President of Marketing at Impexium. Uh, under that role, I see all of our, if you will, marketing, communications, brand development, sales facilitation, working closely with our products team, our sales team um, to deliver, you know, an AMS that drives value for all of our clients. Great. Great. It's a pretty big role. So I'm excited to talk with you today. Um, so Patrick at .org Source, one of our goals is to help clients put technology at the center of their business, obviously. Um, so what does that idea mean to you? And what advice do you have for leaders who may be considering taking more of a digital approach, um, at their organizations? Sure, that's a question that comes up, you know, every day as I'm talking to our existing clients as well as prospects, because, you know, now more than ever, whether it's the, if you will, the, the tremendous options that exist in the market, or just kind of, uh, you know, to put lack of a better word, the curveball, you know, of the last two years, it shows that technology really needs to be an enabler of business, right? And it needs to yeah. allow clients to be flexible, to adapt to the changes. And in doing so, drive value to their clients, their prospects, their partners, everyone within their community. And for so long, or perhaps we've almost taken a look at technology as just a tool, right? And it's a tool that helps us get things done. But, you know, that, that approach is no longer acceptable, right? Because I think uh, many of my clients, you know, similar to yours from an association standpoint, when they look at their members, it's not just now about like, if you will, the status quo, like people don't just need to join the association, like the, there's competitive, you know, influences from like, you know, oh, we have a job board. Well, you know, there's a lot of ways that people can network now um, that perhaps were not available to you and I when we got out of college. And yet, you know, today's young uh, or even, you know, seasoned professional now knows that there's many tools to help them find that new job in the network. So associations need to take a step back find ways that they're delivering value, they're adding value to the day-to-day -day lives of their, of their members and prospects. And technology is a great way to do that, to allow them to focus on the important things um, and make sure that they're delivering the needs or meeting the needs of their members. Yeah, I really think that, that technology is really an enabler for you know, innovation and, um, and really looking at, I think the overall, like, you know, that, customer journey, things, as you said, things have changed so rapidly in the last couple of years, taking that pause and saying, okay, you know, how are we, um, 
doing business better with our customers digitally and, and all those types of things. Um, but with that said, what are some of the issues that prevent people from moving forward in a more efficient way? And how do you think they sh- can overcome those barriers? It, it's, it's a great point because in, in a lot of times when I'm talking with prospects and eventually Impexium clients, you know, and they talk about those barriers, right? The risks, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I try to change the conversation, right? Because there's there's risk with everything. It's a, it's an investment, right? And you got to make sure that you're, you have a strategy with any technology. You got to make sure you have the right people in place. But really, I try to reframe the, the conversation. What is the risk if you don't do this? Yeah. Right? Because you're clearly, we're talking for a reason because you want to do something better. You want to do it faster, more efficient, smarter. You fill in the blank, right? So what is the risk that you're not doing it? And you have to look at it from a staff perspective as well as the member perspective because an interesting way to look at it, and this usually changes the conversation from a client standpoint, is when I ask them, like, from the standpoint of your member, right, you you are competing for your member's share of wallet or share of time. And it's not necessarily with another association, right? It's with these corporate 50 brands, right? Yep. And the experience that Amazon, Bank of America, you name it, pick any brand, right? That they are giving your member online, digitally, right? Over the phone from a client service standpoint, that's your competitive bar because that's what that individual is going to expect. And yeah. you need technology, again, and we don't have the resources, right? Many of our association clients don't have the resources to deliver what Bank of America is doing, but they got to try really hard to, to do everything as close to possible as that is possible, because that's what the member expects, because every other digital transaction they have on their phone, online with those brands, they're now comparing to their member. So if yeah. you've got to register for an annual conference and it's taking 50 clicks, that's not going to be an experience. They're going to put that phone back in their pocket and they may not register. What's the impact there? Well, obviously the value from a brand standpoint, as well as the revenue standpoint, they didn't register for the conference. Right. right? So you might not be able to be movie phone and have like popcorn delivered to your seat at the annual conference, but you better make that registration process as smooth as possible. Yeah. To that point. Yeah. Yeah. To that point, I was, I looked at going to a conference. I had a login. As you said, I was on my phone. I had a login. I I just wanted to see how much it costs to make a decision. And after like twice of being frustrated, well, now time has passed. And I'm like, yeah, do I really want to go? I don't know. Like I, right at the moment I may have gone ahead and registered and that was the decision. And then now I'm second guessing it because I did take that pause and I'm like, well, you know, that was too hard to transact with the organization. So you don't want that to happen either. (laughs) Yeah. No, think about it. Like you get something, you get your phone pings, you look at it and it's download this register for that. Right. If you don't take action right away and that phone goes back in your packet or back in your bag, it's buried in your inbox with the best intentions. Oh, I'll go back and look at that. I'm guilty of that. That never happens. Yeah, that's yeah. the same member experience as well. Yeah, for sure. So, Patrick, a different question. What advice do you have for someone who's considering moving to a new AMS? 
That's a, a it's a great question, right? And and because a lot of times people are asking those same questions of 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 it's a very disruptive process, right? To change AMSs for, yep. for both staff and members. And and at some point they have no choice but to do it. Um, and other times, you know, it needs to be considered. And and I think you have to start with your end goal in mind. What is that objective, right? And build that strategy on that. And if technology is going to support that strategy, then 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 I think you take that step forward. Should we consider investing, upgrading our technology? Right. Again, I I'm I'm a big enough guy to admit it. Been around long enough. There's a lot of good options out there, including perhaps the existing technology that you're on. Right. But if you don't have a process in place, if you don't have documented, you know, if you will, objectives, and you're not measuring to those, right? Then then perhaps you need to reevaluate internally before you think of that change, right? Because it is gonna be uh, disruptive. At the same time, you recognize that the pace of technology is putting so much more power, newer technology, if you will, modern technology, so that we, again, we can go back to meeting those expectations of like from a workflow automation. There's the technology today, already from five years ago, 10 years ago, is allowing people to work smarter so that you can automate a lot of those manual, if you will, business repetitive everyday tasks. People like to say you go from outdated to automated. And what that's going to allow your staff to do then is focus on the initiatives, the programs that drive value, perhaps drive more revenue, help increase retention from a recruitment standpoint. So where you can leverage technology to handle the day-to-day, and then you can use staff and, and other resources to provide that personal value, then that's a, if you can identify those points, that's a great opportunity to make that investment. Yeah. So what are the biggest changes in the way that we should be thinking about and using an AMS today? And one of the biggest challenges right now, or changes, I think, one of the biggest changes in the AMS world is that when I started, you know, when you and I started, Sherry, like, which wasn't that long ago, right? With right. The, 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 the AMS had to be all things to all people. It had to capture all the data, right? And it really had these goals and really it, it, it almost became too bloated, right? Nothing was impact, you know, nothing was effective. And, and it, today, really, the AMS is more about how do we get data out of the system? right? How do we measure the outcomes that define our success, right? How do we work with other solutions like a learning management platform or the event registration platform? How can we take their data and use it within the the analytics as well to measure the success of that, to blend data from a demographics historical transaction so that we can make smarter decisions, right? We can make incision, we can make decisions based on the data as opposed to just using, you know, our standard reports. And, you know, we have a lot of clients where the most important piece of technology in their stack might be the learning management tool. It might be the event registration tool because they, de- they generate 50, 75% of their revenue through a certification process, through the event registration. So the AMS has to very much complement those tools. From and we have we need to use workflow automations. We need to use APIs, you know, so that we can connect and push and pull data between those systems. And that thought process and that kind of, if you will, interoperability between different platforms and the scalability 
is not a new concept, but it is certainly a change in how people approach their technology investments. So that made me think, you know, how is the relationship between technology vendors and association professionals changed? Um, and how do you think um, those relationships can help associations be more successful in the future? You know, I, it's, it's, as always, right, and to, to sound somewhat generic, it, it's a two-way street, right? It, and it needs yeah. to be, you know, we all we all aspire to be the partner, right? Not the vendor, right? Right. Um, and and in, a, in a way, right, that, that, that we're mutually dependent on the success of each other's, right? And so what that requires, you know, is, is from both a... Um, you know, a vendor standpoint, and I'll really approach it from the Impexium standpoint. I just said vendor, right? When I said we all need to be partners, but you know, it, it requires us, right? Like what we've done to, if you will, get that relationship off on the right start is we've recognized that yes, implementing and leveraging a new AMS can be disruptive, right? And it's complicated. And yet it's a tool that you use day to day, right? So we've doubled down from an Impexium standpoint in the investment that we are making and providing, the services that we are providing to make sure that people look at their AMS is indeed like not something that they're fearful of logging into, right? The data yeah. is no longer like a four letter word, right? So we've built in, if you will, an LMS into the AMS so people can have like, if you will, contextual help in real time, right? So they're not just dependent on our client services. We've built in account management, you know, capabilities where we're having health checks, you know, at certain milestones within, you know, the relationship. And we're always monitoring usage so that we can reach out to people. And what it's also required is like, you know, I think there used to be the mentality of like, just sell the software. And I wasn't really invested if you implemented it or using it, you know, quote unquote shelfware, right? But now if you think about, and, and this is how we approach it in Pexium, we sit on so much data, right? And sometimes it's hard for our clients to see that because they're, they're kind of caught up in the day-to-day. -day. But I know when your renewal system start, you know, season starts. I know when your event registration opens. I know when you need to create all those initiatives, right? So why am I not reaching out to you proactively saying, hey, I know your event starts in, you know, in, the, in Q4, it's Q1, we should start building out or making sure that we have all the bundles together from a membership standpoint, from a registration standpoint. What about sponsorship, right? Is there an opportunity to increase 20% more revenue in sponsorship? Here's some campaigns that we could do. We wanna make sure our clients that are successful in using Impexium as well as our partners are sharing that with others. So we really need to be the facilitator and if you will, initiate those conversations to help our clients be successful with the technology because they want to be. They just sometimes don't know where to start and they kind of need sometimes a little push, sometimes a little pull. And I think that approach, at least from my point of view, has been a big change in the vendor partner relationship over the last two decades. We see the data we know when all these key milestones that are defining our client's success, whether from a revenue standpoint, when their board meetings are, we, it, it's on us, 
right? If we want them to be successful with our technology, again, which is a win for us, that we should be proactive saying, how can we help? Because we, we, we sit on so much data. That's great, Patrick, because I think that's a big differentiator. I mean, we, we have a couple of clients, one that um, we do other projects for, and like, we know when their event reg is supposed to open and we're like, okay, guys, why haven't you done this yet? Or, you know, kind of those little like nudges. Cause it, you know, sometimes they're getting busy with other things and, you know, kind of the timeline that it takes to be successful and people are, you know, have time to review things and test and, and all of that. So that's great. Or, and, or not just thinking like, this is an IT thing. I think that's the other, the other challenge of, uh, it's just, the technology um, and the vendor and either the vendor or IT will take care of it. it it's so true. And what, what we've done to add on top of, of that is, you know, many times the executive, you know, the, the ED or the COO is going to, a CFO is going to come to us and be like, you know, going back to that risk and that disruption, and it's an investment to implement these new technologies. We've built in like an Impexium certification program that can be by wow. department. We've also built in a scorecard so that, you know, we can look at the associate, we can go to the ED and say, here's, here's your staff that have gone through the training, right? And then again, we're being proactive. It's not like, hey, this person, you know, Patrick hasn't gone to training. It's like, yeah. how can we help them be more successful with the job? Because ultimately the ED, you know, has to go to the board and be like, hey, remember we implemented Impexium and this is what we expect to get out of it. They want to have an ROI. So we want to make sure we're also giving that visibility at the executive level through scorecards and health checks so that they can make the decisions they need. And, and it's really, we've seen it, you know, I, I don't want to, from a COVID standpoint, and there's been a lot of staff turnover, right? Yeah. So we've really been able to identify, oh, you know, so-and-so hasn't logged in, um, you know, as frequently in the last month as they did in the previous three months. Let's be proactive. Let's reach out and be like, how can we help? You know, did they, did they move on to another role? Did you hire someone new? Or is it just kind of a result of, of the business climate that we're in and they're out of the office for the next month? How can we help make sure that that renewal, that recruitment, that event registration, all those programs that are driving revenue, that are providing that A-plus member experience, the mission that the association aspires to achieve, how can we make sure that those are moving forward and not necessarily collateral damage to the business environment? Yeah, Patrick, you said something that kind of struck uh, a chord with me a little bit about the training. So you know, one of the things I get calls all the time of Sherry, I need, need a new AMS. Can you help me? My first question is why? Like, especially if they have, you know, of course, if they're like managing through spreadsheets or their, their business processes have gotten more complex and they've grown and they're growing out of their system, there's all those, those things that could happen. But typically it's like, well, why do you think you need a new AMS? And a lot of times we find that as you said, staff's turned over, there hasn't been training. So you're blaming the AMS, but you may just need some training or you may need to go back to the vendor and do a you know different configuration on, on, in an area or, or, or something along those lines. So I think training is a really, is really, really, really important. So I'm glad you guys are doing that, that being proactive in that area. You know, for a long time, right, and, and some of this is now the way that we're, many vendors are delivering software, right? Software as a service, right? And in my opinion, 
there should be less emphasis on software. There's a lot of good software options out there, right? But it really has to be the big S has to be service, right? Because that's ultimately what's going to make you successful or not. And, and training, I think, again, dating ourselves was also looked at like, oh, a great way for the vendor to make some money, right? It was a yeah. service that we could offer and like, hey, let me send you, you know, an RFA and you can sign it. It really needs to be looked at as an investment, right? Because the success of my business is that you're going to renew, right? Mm -hmm. From a subscription standpoint. So I'm willing to make that investment in training so that you can feel successful. And then the last point there, Sherry, I just want to make sure that I, I address was like when people call you and say, oh, Sherry, we need a, a new AMS. Your first question shouldn't be like, you know, what about this and that? It should be, did you call Impexium? Right. So yeah, well, that's the other one. Like, did you call your current vendor? Of, right. There's, yeah. There's yeah. one takeaway of the podcast has to be like, did you call him Bexy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Uh, so, um, what can association professionals do to establish a productive partnership with vendors? What do you think they should be doing? From, from a staff standpoint, right. And, and I, some of this is just, the blocking and tackling and we sometimes we need to give them if you will the documentation to help them see this this roadmap but it all has to start with a strategy right so at impexium we really try to talk about outcomes right what do you want the technology to um to help you achieve and we can look at that from an annual basis a quarterly monthly weekly and daily standpoint right and if we can identify those outcomes that are defining the success or defining the success of a certain role, then we can work backwards and make sure that the software is enabling that success versus prohibiting it, right? So we really need from an association standpoint, right? Like, as you mentioned, right? Sometimes they need to look internally from a client, from a staffing standpoint and be like, what are those outcomes? Why are we why are we moving and what do we want to achieve? What is our ideal state? What do our members expect from us? And then define those and then work backwards on how the software can enable that, right? Because we don't want to customize something that, that's going to be, um, you know, if you will, obsolete by the time you go live, right? Yeah. We don't want you to have to invest in customizations and building out a product that, that needs to be supported. And, and might cause complications during an upgrade process. So if we can clearly understand and the, the association uh, executive team can articulate those outcomes, then it's, then it's a shared responsibility of how can Impexium's technology and services enable those outcomes, right? And for some people, Sherry, like, listen, we, we tend to get caught up in what's quantifiable. Like I want to improve registration by 20%. We had a client, and, and now it was back in Q2, that said, you know what? Defining my day would be successful. I just want to go home and have dinner with my kids and be able to watch their soccer their soccer game <laughs> after work. Because she was saying, there's so much repetitive task. I feel like I'm doing so much manual work. I'm constantly here late, just trying to catch up, right? Yeah. So her definition was really you know, personal and internal. I just, I want to go home and have dinner and, and at that level, on a very human level, we can all relate to that. So let's talk about now what was prohibiting you from doing that. And now we can, we can actually have, if you will, initiatives. We can talk about that automation. We can talk about the data management to, so that you can do that. 
so that you can go home because we all want to do that, right? We all yeah. we all want to have that balance and and we all want to feel successful, right? Because we're spending a lot of time here, right? Yeah. And we like it's just on a human level, like what you know. At the end of the day, right? The the association I I had a client say this to me. He said like we don't even give out gold pens anymore, and there's certainly not an IPO. So you better feel good about what you're doing, right? On a day-to-day basis so that you can feel like, yeah, this was fulfilling, right? And I, and I, that really resonated with me because, you know, you, you have to be passionate, right? Like, I, you know, you and I, we get excited about, uh, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but we get excited about tackling challenges and every day is different, right? And we got to, we got to strategize, how can we make this work? And our, and our clients are the same way. They want to feel successful. They want to be motivated. They want to achieve, um, you know, their mission and provide value to their members. So Patrick, to kind of follow up on that, um, you and I, I think we've mentioned, we've been working in the association space for quite some time now. Um, so what do you enjoy most about working in this community? You know, well, on a personal level, like, in my role, right? Like, and I just kind of touched on this. It, every day is different. There's new challenges, right? And and I and and so working with the hundreds of Impexium clients, right? There, there's no one day is the same, right? In the sense of where where we're always solutioning, if you will, what what is a better way to do something? And that includes from a product roadmap as well as our interactions with with the clients. And when I think about our clients and our partners and, and even partners, you know, like, you know, org source and org community, right? Like I, I, I find it is a, um, our community, if you will, our neighborhood of, of technology association is, is very, it's a great resource, right? I never hesitate to pick up the phone and call someone and say, here are one of these challenges what I'm dealing with. You know, what, based on your experience and your current role in a previous role, how would you do that? I love the way our clients are very, you know, giving and sharing. Here's how we improved our newsletter, right? Something so simple as here's how we improved the content in our newsletter and the open rate. And they're willing to share it with their, their, with other clients within the Impexium family. There's not that competitive element. Everybody's willing to, if you will, you know, help each other out, which I yeah. think from a community standpoint, you know, is, is a, is a, you know, just a great environment to work in. And I, I always, I, it's always like a good, if you will, you know, like, you know, health check to be like, you know, I'm just going to call, you know, I'm going to call Ray, you know, I'm going to call Mark, you know, Lowry at association analytics, and I'm going to talk to him about, you know, from a reporting standpoint, from a dashboard standpoint, and just pick his grain. And people are very generous in their time, right? And I, I always appreciate that. And I, I try never to take it for granted and always make sure that when people are reaching out to me, that I'm equally, uh, you know, fulfilling that same. Yeah, you're right. I love that. Yeah, you're, it's right. So it's a really um, great, I think, you know, community to, and the relationships you know, that, that we've developed over time have been great and being able to rely on each other. And you like, and like you said, the sharing in the association community of how we can all work better, do things better. Um, you know, you mentioned the newsletter. Someone was asking me the other day about our newsletter and I was like, Oh, these are the simple things that we do. And they're like, Oh, that's great. And we're going to go implement that. So that's always fun. 
it's so true. And I'll tell you just to, to finish this point, like, you know, I, my early in my career, I worked at a Vectra, you know, another another AMS in the in the association world. And, and our big competitor was Personify at the time. You know, now, yeah. now I've really dated myself, right? Yeah, <laughs> my, just did. My, my competitor, my the, the chief of marketing at Personify was Paul Gannon, you know, who, yep. who now is one of, per, on a personal level, like one of my, like, I just, I go to him almost for everything. Like he's not just on a personal level, he's a great friend, but he's like a mentor, always helping me out. He's also one of Impexium's partners with like our clients. We use him from a video, you know, he, he has his own business now from video testimonials, video case studies, a, 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 you know, a great platform. And if you think about like where in that space or someone that you used to like, you know, you'd, you'd give them the eagle eye at ASA annual and be like, what's going on in the, that booth over there, right? And is now, you know, if you will, one of my best friends in the community. And it's just a great, you know, reflection of our space that those relationships can build um, and, and, and kind of and flourish. So Patrick, um, you know, obviously over the last couple of years, we've moved to more um, virtual meetings and, and things like that. And I, you and I have talked about, you know, that caused some challenges on the sponsorship side, not only for us, but for our customers. And um, I guess, you know, what are your views about how um, that change has impacted sponsorship? I, I think, you know, when I think about how we all were, you know, if you will, pushed and forced into the virtual world, right? And including events, which were such a critical business element from a, you know, lead generation, revenue generating standpoint, you know, it really forced all of us from both if we were hosting the event and, and uh, you know, providing sponsorships or from a sponsor standpoint to really, if you will, throw out the status quo. Perhaps we had all, you know, taken for granted, oh, this is just kind of standard operating procedure, right? Yeah. And it really forced us as, as in many elements of our business, but sponsorship is a great example, forced us to reevaluate of what am I getting out of it? What do I expect? And how can I help, right? It was, you know, and again, I, it wasn't as simple as, oh, I'm going to sponsor this and take my logo and, you know, slap it on the website. Um, you know, we all expected more, but it, it really required us from if we were sponsoring something, how to make that virtual booth, if you will, memorable, right? Mm -hmm. How it really put an emphasis on, you know, what, what again, perhaps we took for granted that, an event is an event and it might last 48 hours. It might last 96 hours. I've always, uh, you know, or learned to appreciate an event. It's really, what did you do in the weeks and months leading up to the event and the weeks and months after the event that probably really defined the success or not, or the level of success of that event, right? That's Good not point. to say that you didn't have to provide a wow, memorable experience on site or during the event, but like, it's really that investment before and after probably is where you got your ROI on that sponsorship. Or if you were hosting an event, the ROI that you could provide for your sponsors, right? Because you really had to think about this event. It, I mean, it, it, at some point, like, you know, we look at it from a user conference standpoint, the user conference is something we need to be thinking about 
working on 365 days a year, right? Like we're always recruiting. We're always looking at a better way to do it. It can't just be those three days, you know, yeah. at, at the National Harbor, you know, or the resort hotel, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, for you, I guess, what can organizations do to interest you in sponsorship collaboration these days? You know, the more that we have the opportunity to, you know, if you will, have a personalized experience with the participants, and that could be like a one-on-one, you know, um, you know, one-on-one interaction, and that could be live or virtual, but it, what it, and, and again, it, it really puts that emphasis on quality versus quantity, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to better understand, if you will, who's attending the events, and, and, and a lot of our, if you will, the, the, and I would say this is a credit to you know a lot of the orgs that are approaching Impexium to sponsor. They better understand their data, right? It's not just like oh we got 500 you know attendees, right? They're able to break it down into role, the size of the organization, so that when I'm going to communicate with them, you know, as part of that sponsorship, I can really personalize and tailor the message to the their role at the type of org they're in, you know, so that it will resonate with them as opposed to here's Impexium and AMS. Like we all know what an AMS yeah. is. The yeah. opportunity is why is Impexium's AMS going to make your job easier, going to make your job smarter, help you deliver the value that you're trying to achieve. So Patrick, what do you feel that is on the horizon, like ch- business changes that you see on the horizon for associations? I, I, I see a, again, like, there's, and I don't want to call it a new wave of technology, perhaps, you know, newer, the early adopters, if you will, from the association standpoint. But again, we're, we're, we're looking at tools that, that, that might be in the commercial and the corporate space right now um, that are quickly becoming, if you will, not a nice to have, but a must to have in the, in the AMS, in the AMS platform or modern AMS offerings. That includes like workflow automation. Right, that you know, it's going to allow people to work smarter. Uh, again, reduce those repetitive daily tasks. Uh, we can all identify five things that we do every day, every day of the week. It would be great if those could be automated, especially when you consider the amount of data that an AMS is capturing. Right, I think I think about things like, you know, AI, right, and and the ability to leverage AI with all the data that we're collecting. So that dashboards are not just interactive, maybe they become, we have predictive analytics, right? And I think we're just where, you know, uh, some associations are farther along than others, but I think these what are now nice to haves and maybe luxurious items or only the largest associations can take advantage of them. They're quickly gonna move into the mainstream and become um, as expected as the AMS, as your events module, as your membership module, as your query builder, right? And so, because people are always looking for ways to work smarter, not harder, which I know sounds rather cliche, but these tools are going to allow us to do that. So we can really focus on the, if you will, the initiatives that provide value. And at the end of the day, the members are in our, in the prospects, you know, that we want to convert to members are going to expect that personalized experience. And we're going to have to leverage, if you will, these these tools that are already out there, perhaps not in the association world, 
to deliver that expectation. So Patrick, thinking about your expertise and things outside the association world, what advice, um, this is kind of my last question for today, um, what advice or um, you know, what can associations learn about marketing from the for-profit world? It's a, that's a that's a great question. You know, it, you know, a marketer. I think you know, and and we often joke about this. Like, you know, a lot of people think marketing is all about like our tchotchkes and let me get make sure you got a <laughs> polo shirt with a logo on it. And I, 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 the marketing position has really switched to really like a data analytics position, right? Because we mm-hmm. sit on top of so much engagement data, and I, engagement's a broad term. But think about the emails and all the all the, the if you will the data points that we're capturing from a marketing automation, and for us to provide if you will that personalized experience, we need to look at all of those data points so that we can if you will build campaigns and respond to the results of those campaigns um, by measuring and analyzing the data, and so. It's quickly putting, you know, putting the the emphasis, I think, on marketing within many of the departments, more so than any other department within the association or even from the, you know, the vendor standpoint is if you understand the data and you can, you know, if you will, you have to make sure you're capturing the right data. You then have to analyze it and then you have to think of the next steps based on that analysis. And so it's very much becoming a data analytics role of understanding what's working, more importantly, what's not, and being able to take corrective action to achieve your desired outcomes. Well, thanks for that great advice, Patrick. If uh, somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how do they do that? You know, the the best way um, is always by email. Um, And uh, you can P Dorsey, P as in Patrick, D-O-R-S-E-Y at impexium.com. Um, just reach out to me, mention that you, you you heard me or you heard us talking, and I'll be sure to follow up with you. Great, great. Well, it's always so interesting to talk with uh, talk with you, and I always learn something, and um, and I really, really appreciate your time today. Sherry, thank you very much. It, it was a lot of fun, and I look forward to uh, returning in the future. Great. Well, uh, thanks to our listeners, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, to if you'd like to meet Patrick, he will actually be at our upcoming conference on September 29th in Rosemont. Um, and you can hopefully come there and meet him in person. That sounds great. All right, great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style and your association. .org Source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at info at orgsource.com or visit www.orgsource.com to find out how to keep your organization on track to Association 4.0.